a child's death that has haunted the town of Pekin for the past year. On November 18th, 13-year-old Robert B. was reported as a runaway by his mother. However, we have been in touch with the Illinois State Police and are in the process of entering information of a missing or endangered person advisory. And what happened to Robert B. brought people in Pekin out to search for answers themselves weekend after weekend. Thousands of leads poured into the Pekin Police Department. The search for the teenager coming to a halt on a hot July day when his skeletal remains were found. Ashes to Ash TV, The Disappearance of Robert B, Episode 20, The Fight. I gathered my equipment, preparing for what may come today. I loaded my bags into the car, fighting off the cold, and hit the road. Off to pick up my crew and start driving down to Pekin. So we are like eight hours outside of Pekin right now. So we were originally going there to hold a protest and it was basically going to be two hours in front of the Pekin police station on Saturday. But then we started to get a little nervous because the COVID restrictions came down and they said, they're pretty strict about groups bigger than 10, mm -hmm. multiple families, different things like that. Plus, we just wanted everyone to feel and be safe, so we had to kind of change that plan out a little bit. Okay. So instead, on Friday, we're going to be stationed in a park in Pekin, which we've alerted everybody of online. Okay. We have 5,000 bright yellow flyers printed that just say, bring in state police for bonsai really simple. It's mm -hmm. big black letters oh, on cool. yellow paper. And we're having volunteers come and meet us at the park and then we're going to hand out the flyers to them. And then I have printed a bunch of maps of Pekin and I'm going to give them designated areas to hang the posters. Cool. Each group I was thinking about giving them about a hundred posters. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow, that's one thing we'll need to do is just go buy some tape and maybe staples. Okay. I also want to drive around and look at these areas because if some of them aren't feasible, like right here, let's just say this was one of the areas, like where the hell would you put a sign? Yeah. So I just want to make sure there's all the areas I picked. I kind of looked and knowing peak in the way I do, I picked areas that were visible, were highly trafficked, were in the downtown area where you can hang flyers without it being like, I don't want to hurt somebody's I want it to be like a telephone pole yeah. or something that it, they can be pulled off of eventually so right. that we're not damaging property permanently or anything. So that is happening Friday night and then that way Saturday morning we will have painted the town yellow cool. with 5,000 flyers. Awesome. My thought is we'll stay from 7 to 9 handing them out and then from like 9 to 10 we'll go hang what we have left or we'll go drive to the areas we sent people and if there's anything that's lacking we'll kind of buffer that. Mm -hmm. So we do have a couple women who are coming into town and they're staying the night at a hotel so they're definitely going to be there to help us. So we have cool. some help. I do believe we'll have volunteers come out. I yeah. just don't have any idea what that'll look like. That's the first impact. And we just wanted the sign to say that because like, we have a lot of news media interested in what we're doing. So I think that 
they are going to come out and snap a photo of downtown Pekin and all you'll see is like just yellow, yellow signs. Yeah. yeah. So the goal of the protest is to get the state police to take a look at this case. They've been holding very close to their chest whether or not the state police have been helping. I know the state police came out when Bonsai's body was found mm-hmm. from what I've heard from witnesses. I'm not saying they haven't had any role. It's just from the source inside the Pekin police station who said they know Keith Brackett did it and they're just waiting for him to confess. I have some major concerns about that line of thinking. Mm. Why are we waiting for criminals to confess? Is that the only way? Right. Like that seems absurd to me. Now, if you don't have enough evidence and you're hoping someone confesses, that's one thing because that tells me you're not 100% sure, so you have to have a confession. Right. But what the source inside the Pekin police station said is they know it was Keith Brackett and now they're just waiting for him right, to confess. Exactly. But that is concerning to me because that yeah. means there's not enough evidence and that means other possibilities should still be looked into. Right, otherwise they'd bring him in. Right. Yes. And I, they could be resting on their laurels too because Keith Brackett's in jail for thieving. Mm-hmm. It's for like another 14 years or something. I could have that wrong, but I think he got like a 16-year sentence. When oh, okay. He, it's an overkill of a sentence for things yeah, stealing, yeah. I, in my opinion. So really, I just want either the state police to acknowledge that they're looking into it and they've already been asked by Pekin police to help, or I would like the state police to step in and take a second look, especially at some of the information that I've given them. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to use my information, but they could use it to kind of like look at to know who to talk to and then they can gather their own information. Yeah. So my hope is that that's the impact. So then on Saturday, we were going to be actually doing a protest from one to three where we were standing outside holding yeah, yeah. signs. But because I don't think the Pekin police are probably huge fans of me, I don't know, but I doubt it. And I don't think they're going to want to protest on their front lawn, especially with COVID going on, because that could be an easy excuse for not allowing us to do it. Right. Instead, we're asking everyone to bring a flower and put it on the grass in front of the police station. We also had someone donate a bunch of flowers. Okay. So those will be being brought so people don't have the money or ability to get a flower, they can just yeah, take great. one. Yeah, because we don't want to eliminate someone because they can't afford it. We want them to be able to help. And then from one to two, instead of being from one to three, we're asking people to stay around the police station and honk, drive around and honk mm-hmm. right around the police station. So that way people stay in their cars they get out to put the flower down, but there's no congregating. Right. I mean, we have a lot of response. We have over uh, like 150 people online already said that they were going to come. With COVID, that number, it, it, that was the people who said they were actually coming. We had right, over right. 500 say that they wow. might come. So cool. even if we get a fourth of, even if we got 50 people, I would be, I would be. Yeah, there might still be like a pretty big turnout. Right. Especially because like. You don't have to get out of your car. You don't even have to get out to put a flower down. You could just honk. So That's true. I feel like we're giving people a lot of options for them to participate at a comfort level that they feel good about. I told people we'd be on the corner at the police station with the flowers, so we'll just have to be careful about not having people congregate. Or if people walk there or want to stand outside, just making sure they're spaced out on the sidewalk so that they're not coming out and harassing us for being in a large group yeah so that might help too and we had like people make really cool signs that's kind of the plan now Mm -hmm. that's why i also wanted to do a socially distanced protest after the new restrictions came down because at first i was just going to 
do it normal. I had already asked people to wear masks and be respectful of people's space. But I thought this way, at least from a public persona, I'm asking for people to be socially distanced. Yeah, because then it doesn't give the, anybody an excuse to not right. sort of hear what we're saying. Exactly. Yeah. the whole point of being there No, is. exactly. With, They'll be like, these cowboys came and did this instead of yeah. being like, oh, we should really think about moving this case to Bonza. Right, exactly. Like the focus would easily shift to something that this isn't about. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it will have any impact, but if it doesn't, then we're going to start going down roads later, like in a couple weeks from now or a month from now, depending on when we feel like enough time has passed, okay. uh, giving people a chance to react a letter writing campaign so I'm going to try to find maybe four or five hundred volunteers to write a letter mm -hmm. and send it but I want to space those out so we'll have we'll give people days to send their letters so that the person gets like over a hundred days is getting letters so whether that's the chief of police Luke Satterley for the state Illinois State Police or if it's Stuart Umholtz for the state's attorney's office okay yeah. Or maybe it'll be a mix. That's a good idea. Yeah. But the thing I'm trying to do is organize it properly so that it has the biggest impact. If I can get 500 people who are willing to write a letter, maybe 250 actually do mm. follow through with what they say. And then if I give them a day they need to send it by, or mm -hmm. a week, they just need to send it during that week. I think that will have the most crazy impact because it's like letter, letter, yep. letter. I don't feel like the cops would take anything we're doing that seriously, so... My goal is to get the attention of the media, though, and yeah. to get and to show them we're not backing down. Like this is the first step of about ten ideas I have mm -hmm. that hopefully can start getting some traction. Because, like I thought, we could even go eventually to the state's attorney's office okay. and have a protest out front of that. Like if this doesn't yeah. get any or any success anywhere. So I think this is a good getting our feet wet. I feel like protests have to continue yeah even in hard times I completely because agree. change still has to happen and yep. we don't know when this will be a thing of the past yeah protests can't not happen no they have yeah, to I mean, that is like the most american thing right like that's the one way that you can make change in a healthy and safe way and so. have your voice heard right and i don't think we can wait because it could you know easily be two three years realistically before sure you can get in groups no, like a normal, per, like normal, you know, where it's not limited. So right. with that, and there's no way, if I just knew this was gonna be gone in three months, I would have said, well, let's just wait three months so we could do it right. showed up to help and sent them off to work. Okay. We're asking that people not hang in in businesses, private par property, parkland. Okay. So we're asking for telephone poles, electric poles, phone poles, all that kind of stuff. There's a hundred flyers in there. If you guys, you know, want to uh, get done and want to do more, come back. We'll have more flyers. And if not, thank you so much for your help. It's amazing. All right. <laughs> have a good night. More and more protesters started to show up for the cause.
I started to fill up bags with many bright yellow flyers to give out to the protesters to start hanging around town. Posters have doubled, all decorated beautifully, asking for justice and peace. We hand out more flyers and directions to the rapidly growing group of volunteers. The air is filled with caring love as volunteers embrace and hug each other in thanks. Yeah, we'll be here till nine. We've had people come back, so if you want to come back, you can, but this thank you. That's so amazing. Yeah, all right. Yeah, thank you. Everyone is proud of the work they are doing and the impact they might have. After getting our other volunteers set up, I went out to hang some of the flyers on my own, on poles and trees and anywhere else visible for everyone to see. My car is littered with yellow flyers. Soon, every inch of town is covered in yellow. The next morning, our protesters are ready. Posters in hand, cars decorated. gathered together to meet. Buckets of red roses are waiting okay, patiently on standby. Okay, everybody, so we're gonna all drop our roses on the front and then we're just gonna walk around the block maybe once or twice. If you're nervous and wanna stay in your car, that's totally fine. Just drive around and honk with us. We're gonna go around a couple times and really kind of make our presence known. But if you have a flower, just we can go set it up on the lawn of the, the police station. The group gathers, brightly decorated posters in one hand and roses in the other, as we walk up to the police station and lay our roses in front of the Pekin Municipal Building sign. The pile of red and yellow roses grows bigger and bigger as volunteers, protesters, boys and girls, parents and children, family, friends and strangers gather together for one cause. Love and sadness are in the air as friends hug, roses in hand. A mother and her boys stop to hug a fellow volunteer. Protesters hang their bright yellow posters on their cars, asking the state police to look into this case. Posters are seen all around, big and small, colorful and strong. We stand tall, demanding justice and asking for help.
march begins as chants can be heard. People march around the building, posters held high, many dressed in yellow. A young man is seen standing on top of his car, holding his poster high over his head. Justice for Bonsai. I wave to passing cars honking in support. visible, hidden under the colorful roses and posters. So now it was my turn to be interviewed by the media. I was excited they had come out because anything that helps get this story out in a bigger way helps us get in tips and helps us solve these cases. I just want to note here that during the protest itself, we had issues with some of the audio. So although we overlaid new audio that represented exactly what was being said during the interviews for the actual video podcast, for the audio podcast, we just re-recorded the questions and me answering them. If you actually watch the visual series, you will see me answering the questions, although I did have to dub my audio because you could barely hear me and it would have been really frustrating to listen to. So because this is an audio podcast, it would be monumentally frustrating if you were not even able to see the visuals and you were just trying to listen to it. So we've just re-recorded the questions and the answers almost to exactly how they were asked and how I answered them. So we'll play that now instead of the actual interview, but you can go to the video series on YouTube and watch the actual interview if you want to see it. What kind of got you involved in making this series and getting involved in this case? So I did a documentary called Mallory, and I just realized when I started investigating for that, I really had a knack for it. So I decided I wanted to try to help a community. So I put a post up on Instagram asking if anyone knew of any cases. And the next thing I knew, I had three messages back from three people who did not even know each other in Pekin in regards to the Robert B case. I'm creating a series where we're really delving into what happened to Bonsai. And it's a series and we do the series in real time. So as we're investigating, we actually get tips in and we follow those tips to see if they lead to any answers. We really wanted to create a series that people could watch. That way, if they have information regarding the case, they can kind of see what's already out there and what we're putting together and to see if their information's valid. And if so, they can call and give in tips and we will follow up on those tips. Often people are siloed, so they really just don't even know that they have information that they needed to come forward with, is what we're trying to do is blend all of that so no longer are people siloed. We've really been able to look at the hard evidence mixed with the circumstantial evidence to really kind of build a theory to what might have occurred here to Robert B. So tell me a little bit about what's going on here today. Basically today we're asking the state police to step in and take over the Robert B case. I think with the Pekin police, my fears here is that I've really seen some missteps. 
Robert B. is a 13-year-old boy who has a medical condition which involves him having seizures. And instead of being listed as a child who's gone missing, he's listed as a runaway. I definitely don't think that was appropriate designation, especially when his mom was adamant that he was not a runaway. You have people who have said that they've seen him up to five days after he went missing, and those claims were never investigated until January. Why are we waiting a month and a half to investigate claims of potentially seeing a missing 13-year-old? I just really think there's been a lack of care. I think Keith Brackett is really just a conveniently easy person to put the blame on. And I'm not saying it's not him, but since we don't know if it's him or not, why are we not looking into other possible suspects in this case? And if it is Keith Brackett, well, where's the evidence? I'd like to see that. And then why haven't charges been brought against him? Kind of talk about what you're out here for today. So I know it's been four years. I did a little research. They still haven't solved it. Kind of talk about why this is so important for Pekin and people to remember this. I think one of the things I see in Pekin here is there have been many cases that have not been solved especially cases involving children. One thing that we really need to be looking at, especially when it comes to crimes against people, is that we can't bring somebody back to life, but we can impact what happens to future potential victims, and we could potentially stop somebody from hurting other people. And that's why it's so important to not let these cases fall by the wayside. And why do you think it's so important for all of you guys to come together today? I think this case in general just needs somebody to take a really hard look at it and really hold some people responsible, all the way back from DCFS now to the Pekin Police Department. I think really with this outcry of support, you really see that Bonsai has not been forgotten. What's important now is the other kids in this community, the other families in this community. It would be nice to know whoever did this cannot also end up hurting those children. And so I really think this show of support really just helps strengthen the community and really kind of puts pressure on the Pekin police to do their job or to maybe get another investigative agency to take a look at this. Because in all honesty, the Pekin police just might not be able to handle this case. And that's okay, but let's get someone else in who can. With the protest today, what kind of demands do you guys have? My understanding from speaking to the state police is that the Pekin police have to request help from the state police in order for the state police to get involved. And I'm not saying the state police haven't been involved yet, is what I'm asking for is that they take over the case entirely. We really want a second set of eyes on this case. So whether that's Tazewell County or the state of Illinois or the FBI, we just really want someone else to take a look at the information that's available and the information that we've collected. And do you have any other demands besides having the state police being involved in the case? No, currently that's really what we want. We just really want another investigative agency taking a new look at this case. Now, what do you feel the Pekin police are not doing in this case or have not done in this case? Things in the beginning of this case were missed right off the bat. He went missing on November 18th, and from what we can tell, the real searches didn't begin until January. Why are we waiting a month and a half to start searching for a 13-year-old boy who also is prone to seizures? I just think if you really look at this full case for what it is, it just seems like time and time again, the Pekin police are missing the mark and not investigating leads, in my opinion. From a community perspective, there still has been no one convicted of this crime. How does that make you feel in the community knowing there is still someone out there? I think it's really a tough pill to swallow because there are a lot of people, I believe, know what happened. And they're speaking out, and in my opinion, they're being relatively loud about it. And no one really seems to be listening. I know you just can't convict someone off what people say. I'm not asking for that. Is What I'm asking for is them to at least listen to these people and investigate their claims. I really think if they do that and then they go back and look at the timelines, they'll quickly see that there's validity to some of these statements.
This is a small kind of community. The person who did this could still be out there. I guess it is scary and frustrating that the police are not doing their job, would you say? I think one of the things that's really upsetting to me is at one point the police basically tell the community that they're okay. You're out of harm's way. What? There's a dead boy and there's no one who's been held accountable. How is this community safe? If I had kids in this town, I'd be very nervous. The state police have been involved for certain aspects of this case, but in my opinion, very minor parts. So they did come out that the day that Bonsai was found, they were able to get the DNA to confirm it was Bonsai, but it's my understanding that that was about the level that they participated in as far as helping on the investigation of this case. The people of Pekin are really amazing. I know we're investigating this kind of dark underbelly, and I think that really gives a bad perception of Pekin when it is really not the case. There are a lot of amazing people here. I would not have gotten nearly as far as I did without everybody giving tips. Calling in by being super brave. We keep people anonymous all the time and they're risking things like their jobs, their marriages, to talk to us, to let us know their information. And I really think the bravery I've seen in the people from this community and the lengths they're willing to go to to get me information is just really impressive and shows how much they care about this case and their community at large. We're gonna keep fighting. So even with the series, we currently have 19 episodes out. The episodes release every other week and we're gonna keep looking in and we're gonna keep fighting. We're gonna keep investigating and obviously it might come a natural point where there's no additional information coming forward and if we hit that point, we'll continue to report on any updates that have to do with the case and we'll do our best to keep the case alive. Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino. Assistant editor, Michael Howard. Cinematography, Justin Crompier. Drone pilot, Nick Knipp. Associate producer, Kate Giordano. Production team, Generic Brand Human. To follow us on Facebook, please go to Ashes to Ash, True Crime. To follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, go to at Ashes to Ash TV. The actor who plays Bonsai is named Barrett Helke. If you have any tips or information, we can keep you anonymous. Please contact us at ashland57 at gmail.com. A-S-H-L-A-N-D, the number 57 at gmail.com. If you know of any illegal activity involving the case, then please contact your local police.